The AAPA conference is coming up May 18th through 22nd in Houston. I'm so sad that I will not be there, but some of my favorite people will be. So I want to make sure that y'all know who to look out for. So if you're heading down to the conference, make sure you go by the Blueprint and Rosh Review table. They're giving away all kinds of stuff stethoscopes, seats in the review course. They're talking about how Rosh Review has joined Blueprint and what that looks like. But definitely go stop by, say hi, get some swag, tell them I said hello, uh, and it'll be a really good time. I'm sure y'all will have an awesome time in Houston. Make sure you go to Torchy's Tacos, my absolute favorite, and spend some time in the exhibit hall exploring we know that I love Rosh Review um, by Blueprint, and they have so many great resources. So whether you're looking for QBanks, pants review courses, now is the time, and usually there's some special stuff, so go check it out. Today, in episode 52, I'm speaking with Stephanie, an OBGYN PA. Welcome to the Pre-PA Club podcast. If you want to learn how to become a physician assistant, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Savannah Perry. Let's get to it. Hey guys, this is Savannah. I am your podcast host of the Pre-PA Club podcast. And this is episode 52, and we've had an episode a week for an entire year. That is insane. Um, It's been so much fun, and I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. In fact, I've got about six interviews coming up for you guys. Really cool stuff. But I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who's been listening and just stuck through this process with me. I know that um, I've had some technological difficulties at times, whether it be the sound is funky or there's a weird echo or you hear my baby in the background. Um, I'm still learning the technology part of things, but hopefully getting better every time. But I just want to say thank you The podcast, it's been fun. It's been a lot of work. Um, We have over 100 reviews on iTunes now, and I cannot tell y'all how happy that makes me. And just reading some of these really, really kind words that you guys write about the episodes is what keeps me going and keeps me doing this. So I just want to say thank you. And um, I think if you've been listening for a while, you know that if you guys need anything, just feel free to email me or reach out on Instagram Um, send me a message, whatever. Um, I like connecting and hearing from the listeners, so it's been a lot of fun. If there are any subjects you want me to cover, let me know. Somebody's requested supplemental applications. We can definitely do that. Um, Yeah, just shoot me a quick contact, email, whatever, um, if there's something you want to hear about. But anyways, we'll get to today's episode, which I'm really excited about. Stephanie is an OBGYN PA, and we connected on Instagram, which is where I connect with just about everybody, but um, she has a really cool account because it's more clinical, where I share a lot of pre-PA tips and stuff about my job as a PA. Stephanie shares a lot just about women's health um, and her job and more clinical things. And she also has a podcast that's fairly new with um, her friend Britt, who's also a GYNPA. And it's really fun. It's called At Your Cervix. And I'll link to that in the description and you'll hear us talk about it in the interview. Stephanie and I were supposed to do this interview actually back in June and I ended up having some contractions. I was pregnant at the time, which was 
ironic because she's an OBGYNPA, so I'm telling her what's going on. She's telling me I need to go to the hospital. I go in. It was a false alarm, but um, <laughs> we had to reschedule. So I was really excited that we were able to find a time to do this interview, and I hope you guys enjoy it. This episode is sponsored by My PA Resource which is a personal statement editing service. So if you're still working on your personal statement, if you're thinking about it for next cycle, go ahead and get started and check out my PA resource. You can use the code PREPA club for a discount and that'll be in the description as well. And it's only PAs editing. We do a great job. I'm an editor. I think I do a great job. Um, But if you ever have any questions about it, feel free to reach out to them and they'll get you more information. All right, let's jump into our interview with Stephanie. So my name is Stephanie Howard, and I am a physician assistant. I live in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and have been practicing obstetrics and gynecology since I graduated in 2010. Okay. Um, Has that been your only job? Yes. So I actually um, did a rotation with this physician, my supervising physician now. Um, and I always knew that I wanted to do women's health and undergrad. I did, um, followed around an OBGYN. And so I kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. And so I did my elective in women's health also, and I went back and did my elective with her and then she offered me a job. And so, um, yeah, I've been with her literally, I guess, you know, really since 2009, because I did Mm -hmm. 12 weeks of rotations with her. Okay, cool. So I did something similar where I I actually got hired before I did my job or my electives. Um, and so I was hired and then I got to do eight weeks of basically kind of training before yes. I jumped into my job. So we kind of did the same thing there. Well, I think that that's awesome. And I tell like I precept a lot of clinical year students. Yeah. Um, and I try to tell all of them, like, treat every rotation like it's a job because mm-hmm. you don't know if people are going to have openings where you're at. You don't know who they know. And, you know, if you do a really good job, like you could be offered a job. I think I was offered like five. I was offered five jobs during clinicals. Um, and of course now, you know, in Knoxville where I am, it kind of seems like it's a saturated area for mm-hmm. PAs, but at the time when I did it, it wasn't. And so I always try to tell everybody, like, if there's something that you like, or you want to do women's health, like see if you can set up your own rotation or your own elective somewhere you may want to be and like prove to them and show them why they should hire you and why, how they could benefit from having a PA. That's really good advice, and that's something I wish someone had told me, Um, and we'll backtrack in a minute, but I went into rotations with the mindset that I should, (laughs) this is really dumb, don't do this, Um, that I should tell everywhere I was working that that's what I wanted to do, Um, which was not, that didn't get me anywhere. So right. at the beginning, they would say, let's say I'm on family medicine. They would say, well, what do you see yourself doing? What do you want to do? Oh, family medicine. And so really, I knew I liked derm. I knew I liked procedures. And when it came to rotations, I actually really liked everything except for psych. Yeah. But um, it wasn't until I actually, about halfway through the year, started telling people when they asked. And it was my surgery preceptor that I first told you know, I really think I'd want to do surgery or maybe dermatology. Once I started being honest about it and I told him in my emergency medicine preceptor, that's when 
people actually started seeking me out and saying like, oh, I've heard about this job, send your resume, um, and getting calls. So it's interesting that, I don't know, that you give that advice of like go into it thinking of it like a job interview because you don't know who those people know. And my surgery preceptor is actually the person who got me my job. Yeah. Um, Because he had that connection and he was able to make a phone call and say, you need to interview her. And I think it'd be a good fit. So I was very appreciative of that. Um, (laughs) And they're they're more likely to take advice from a colleague who they respect and has been with somebody than like something that comes across on like Indeed or an ad in the newspaper. Exactly. No, I agree. And that's kind of what I tell people is shadowing too. Like use all of your connections. Um, But when it comes to clinicals, something else I found interesting, and you can maybe speak to this, is I had a couple preceptors who would tell me, like, you really seem like you want to be here and you're really participating, which I found to be a very strange comment because I felt like all students would be like that, but apparently maybe not. Like, what makes a student, like, a good (laughs) one or stand out versus one that you're like, please, can your time be over? I know. Yeah. So, you know, and I, I get that from my end, because if you ask the majority of people like about their women's health rotation, there's so many mixed feelings. Like you either want to do women's health Mm -hmm. or you want absolutely nothing to do with women's health. So it's one of those things that I tell everybody, like, even if you don't like the rotation, like be interested, Mm -hmm. participate, that's this is our only time as PAs, you know, we're trained as generalists. And so to make the most out of our education and be the best, most well-rounded PA we can be, we really need to be all hands in and try. But yeah, a lot of people, you know, have been on my rotation and they're like, Ooh, I, I don't really want to do this. And I'm like, well, you're here. So you're going to do pap smears until you're comfortable with it. You're going to do pelvics. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of people don't. And, you know, your preceptor can pick up if you don't want to be there Mm -hmm. or not. Um, And it all goes back to how likely am I to refer somebody for a job or write, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, even if you want to, you know, get your license in that state, you have to have letters of recommendation. Mm. So, I mean, it's just important to try and and be there because they're taking the time out of their day to teach you. And obviously they enjoy their job or they wouldn't have students and they wouldn't be doing their job. Yeah. I mean, that's so true. And I've seen the same thing shadowing. Like if you, if somebody's letting you shadow, you need to act like you want to be there um, and pay attention. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) And on clinicals, like that may be your only time getting exposure to that. So you need to soak up as much as possible especially if you know you want to do something else. Because like I found in Durham, and I think y'all have spoken about this on your podcast, um, you kind of said in the first episode, like even if you aren't working in women's health, you see it in other areas. So being in Durham, there are certain things that affect women in areas that would cross over with OBGYN. And so, I mean, I definitely see things and treat things that you guys see and treat. Um, and I get referrals from OBGYN offices. So it's important to kind of have as much knowledge as you can, even of other areas, if possible. Well, yeah. And patients don't understand, um, you know, obviously there are different specialists, but 
your patient doesn't, I mean, they think that you know what their derm knows or what their Mm -hmm. internal medicine doctor knows. So they're going to talk to you about it. So Mm -hmm. at least being familiar, you know, and saying, well, you know, I don't do that every day, but I I do remember this from my rotation and this sounds familiar um, because they're going to ask you about stuff. Yeah. And we'll talk about your podcast more too, but y'all's first episode was about birth control and we prescribe birth control in dermatology um not to the extent that you guys do but it was nice to kind of hear that refresher of things that we don't hear as much about um but it's important to kind of know if you're going to prescribe it so exactly Yeah. yeah um all right let's backtrack a little bit why did you decide to become a PA Um, well, I think that I was kind of fortunate because my aunt and uncle are both PAs. Cool. And so I grew up knowing what a PA was. Um, you know, I was in high school, I was exposed to what PAs were. And around that time, it wasn't, I mean, not that I'm super old. I graduated high school in 2003. So I went, when I went to undergrad, I knew I wanted to do something in the medical field. Um, and being a PA was always that option for me. So I did that whole biology undergrad and basically had to do the pre-med route because Mm -hmm. you you would say like oh yeah I want to be a PA and people are like what's a PA you know and of course now they have like pre-PA tracks that you can go through in school um but at that time and I graduated undergrad in 2007 like nobody knew what a PA was so I um got to shadow PAs went around and realized that that was something I wanted to do as a female you know, I wanted to do something in medicine, but I also wanted to be able to have a family Mm -hmm. and be able to have a life. And so the balance of, you know, what the PA profession gives you to have a life and a family and be able to be a practitioner, um, it just was something that worked out really well for me. Okay. So what did that look like? I mean, I graduated high school in 2008 and college in 2012 and I feel like there wasn't much information out there and it was kind of the same thing if I'd go to my advisor and like you want to do what (laughs) what's yeah um so I can imagine you ran into that even more but how what was your application process like did you like get in your first time how many schools did you apply to yeah so I um I don't know when CASPA had started or or not, but I had to apply through that. Okay. So I did apply through that. I applied to four schools. Um, I'm from Alabama. And so I applied to two of them in Alabama. And then I applied to one in Arkansas and then the one in Knoxville and kind of, you know, being a student and undergrad and knowing I wanted to do that right when I got out of school, my biggest challenge was really my patient care hours. Mm -hmm. So trying to find something that, you know, I could get in with not having tons of patient care hours was kind of challenging. Um, So I applied to those, got interviews at three places, was waitlisted at one, and then was accepted into South here in Knoxville. Um, And that program was nice because it started in September, August or September. I don't remember which Mm -hmm. one. And a lot of them were starting in like December or January. And so it was kind of those things that everything just really lined up for me. Nice. 
So once you got to PA school, was it what you're expecting or was like, what was the most difficult part for you? I think, you know, when you go to PA school, I remember our first day they told us the amount of information you're going to get is like drinking water through a fire hose. Um, and I'm sure everybody, you know, tells you that analogy. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that it was going to be, there was going to be a lot of studying going on and a lot of information. Uh, but honestly, the hardest part really has to do with kind of like the fear of missing out. Um, not that you're missing out on things, but people don't understand how much time you spend studying and how your priorities have to change when you're in school. Mm -hmm. And so I remember having friends, you know, I missed weddings and not so much in clinical, but in didactic. I mean, you were studying all the time. I remember I had some friends who came to Knoxville for the weekend because we had a wedding and I had like a peds test and OSCE and like a farm test on Monday. And so Saturday they were like, Hey, come to the pool. Let's go to the pool. We're going to have some cocktails, have fun. And I was like, I can't, I've got to go to the library. And they were like, why? They just didn't get it. And I'm like, well, you know, I have to go study my life away so I can have these four hours tonight to have fun. So it's kind of like either or. Mm -hmm. So really it was more so about things that were going on around me that I missed out on um, because I had to do school. Yeah. I mean, I had, I, I felt the same way. I mean, you kind of have to make those decisions and I was living at home um, and my parents would I felt I always felt so bad and I got better about this as I learned how to study but they would ask me to go to dinner and I'd be like I can't I need that 30 minutes or that hour um to study which was a little bit dramatic but <laughs> well, yeah. well you have to eat but <laughs> yeah I think you're right like you have to learn how to study yeah and you learn what's important and what's not important. Of course, you're not going to know everything, but you have to get those basic concepts. Yeah. And those first few, you know, at South, we have had quarters. Okay. So probably the first two quarters to try to, like, get in the groove and figure out studying and all of that, um, you know, you could get more of a flow. But, I mean, it can be done. I got married the second quarter of PA school. Okay. So, I mean, it can definitely be done. It's just more so time management and you know just knowing you're not going to get to go out every night and there's some mm -hmm. things that you're going to have to miss but it's a small small amount of time and it goes by so quickly it I does. felt like I mean I felt like it flew by so I mean I agree small sacrifices um <laughs> so once you got to the end of PA school you knew you wanted to do OBGYN um and you kind of got lined up, did your electives. Um, did you interview for any other jobs or was that like your only, like, this is the job I want? Yeah. Once um, she offered me that job, I knew that that was what I wanted to do. So like I said, during my rotations, I had been offered other jobs mm -hmm. and it was kind of one of those things that they were getting, you know, in touch with me. And it was more so if this falls through, I'll get in touch with you. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I knew that that's what I wanted to do. And I just really clicked with my supervising physician. And, you know, basically she has taught me everything I know about women's health and has trained me to really do things the way she wants them done. Mm -hmm. And so we have a great relationship. Like she values, uh, you know, 
PAs and their role in medicine. And she's a very big supporter. And, you know, that's so important as a PA to make sure the person that you're working for really understands what you can do and uses you to your full potential. Yeah. So in your job, um, like what does a day at your job look like? Um, so my job, you know, it differs day to day. I do a lot of annual exams, birth control, consulting, um, irregular periods. I see everybody from adolescents to, you know, teenagers, pregnant women, menopausal women. I work up a lot of different things like dysfunctional uterine bleeding or pelvic pain, deal with ovarian cysts, fibroids, all of those things. So we even do weight loss counseling in our office. So, I mean, there's a lot of stuff and I am procedure oriented. I love to do procedures. Mm -hmm. So I do biopsies, endometrial biopsies. I manage abnormal pap smears and do follow-ups with the colposcopy. Uh, I do lots of ultrasound procedures like sonohistograms and hysterosalpingograms to look at the lining of the uterus and then to make sure that tube, uh, tubes are open. We do a lot of bladder installations in our office for interstitial cystitis and, you know, put in birth control, take birth control out. So there's a lot you can do in women's health besides just pap smears all day long. Yeah. One question that I get a lot about specifically PAs working in OBGYN is what can you do as far as pregnancy and delivering babies, which I don't know. I feel like some of this varies by state maybe, Um, but what are your thoughts or role in that way? I know that I asked you lots of pregnancy questions on Instagram. (laughs) Thank you for answering. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So I deal with pregnant patients all day from, um, well, you know, conception, trying to conceive, helping people conceive with Clomid and different medications to managing them throughout their pregnancy. Our, um, Our hospital or the hospital that I work at doesn't currently have any PAs, midwives or nurse practitioners that deliver. Uh, So I think really it's hospital oriented and what the hospital wants you to do. Mm -hmm. I have delivered babies before uh, with my supervising physician. And, you know, it all kind of came down to what did I want to do? You know, I look Mm -hmm. at that lifestyle and delivering babies is awesome, but babies do not wait on anybody. (laughs) And so if you get into the delivering thing, you're going to be on call during Mm -hmm. the weekends. You're going to be having to get up at three in the morning and go deliver a baby. And you know, it can be a rough lifestyle. And so for me, I, I don't personally want to do that. Like I love managing my pregnant patients. I love managing gestational diabetes and hypertension um, and, you know, helping them throughout their pregnancy. But when it's time for babies to be delivered, generally my supervising physician, she leaves the clinic. And when she leaves the clinic, like it's mine to run. So I see her patients and make sure they're taken care of so she can go do that. And when she comes back, she doesn't have, you know, 15 patients still waiting on her before she can leave. Um, So I think it's really personal preference. I know that there are two residency programs now uh, for postgraduate OBGYN, and they do a lot of vaginal deliveries. But I think more than anything, it really depends on hospital systems, because if the hospital is not going to let you deliver, it doesn't matter where you've trained or what you can do. Yeah, I remember in school we had a um, 
a dermatology PA come and do a talk, and she had done one of the OBGYN residencies, I think in California, maybe. Yeah. Um, and she said when she was out there, she delivered like 300 babies, like a ridiculous amount. And then when she moved back to Georgia, they she could not get approved by the medical board to deliver babies. They just right. said no. And even with support from her supervising physician and proof that she had done all these deliveries, they just, in Georgia, it's not considered a part of a PA's scope of practice. Um, and we do have a lot of midwives um, who deliver. So I think that's something for somebody who like wants to deliver babies you have to look at that if you're thinking about being a pa look at your state and figure out if it's something you can do or not exactly because you know there's definitely not a reason that we can't deliver babies i mean we're trained adequately and then obviously if you do post-residency um it shouldn't be an issue but Mm -hmm. a lot of states and and that's unfortunate too um you know, that they put that, but then a lot of it could be, you know, that's a midwife thing, you know, it's a midwifery. And so a lot of times you have different organizations that maybe don't want PAs to get in there because that takes away, you know, job security as well. Yeah. And I think that's definitely part of it, um, of why that kind of separation is there, but yeah. Um, so yeah, so what, how many patients do you typically see in a day? I see about 25 patients a day. Sometimes I can see more depending on, you know, if she has to go do Mm -hmm. a delivery or, you know, what's going on in the office. I've got slots in there to, to work in, but generally it's about 25. Okay. And do you work full time? I do. So okay. full-time for us is four days a week. Nice. Okay. So, yeah. So I have um, Tuesdays off, which is nice because I can spend time with my kids at home or kind of have a me day. You mm-hmm. know, I always tell everybody, like, working in medicine, I love it, and I would not trade it for anything. But especially women's health, you know, we see a lot of psych stuff. So there's a lot <laughs> of anxiety. There's a lot of depression. And I think because, you know, not, I think because we are such, have such an intimate job, you know, people are more likely to talk to me about things and tell me things than they would like primary care. Mm -hmm. And so emotionally, you know, it can be really exhausting some of the stuff that I hear. Uh, so it's nice to have just a me day to kind of decompress. Yeah. Not take too much work home with you. Exactly. (laughs) That's important. Um, yeah. Let's talk a little bit about your Instagram account and now your new podcast, which yeah. I didn't know it was coming. Um, <laughs> so we first, I guess, connected on Instagram in the little the little PA community that is there. Um, but what made you start? What was Teenage Female Health and is now the GYNPA? Yeah. So I see so many teenagers in my clinic. And, you know, it's just so crazy because half of the stuff that I hear from them is they're not very well educated when it comes to the female body. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, we we grow up and we're told girls have vaginas, boys have penises. Those are very private things. We don't talk about them. And then in fifth grade, like someone takes us in a room 
And they're like, you're going to have a period. And we watch a video and you're like, what in the world is happening? And so then parents are kind of like, oh, well, she learned about it at school. And we kind of rely on the school system. Um, But, you know, living in the Bible Belt, especially where we are, it's Mm -hmm. an abstinence only education system. And so there's a lot of misinformation out there. And there's a lot of information that these girls aren't getting. And so I wanted to create a program where they could get information that's correct. Because, you know, you can look up anything on the internet, and you can find out you can make it say exactly what you want it to say. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to like be a source of information that was correct for these young women. And I actually have an online uh, sex ed and comprehensive health program for girls from seventh to 12th grade and it's online. And so I had kind of started my Instagram because I quickly found out that Facebook isn't cool anymore. Facebook is confusing. (laughs) Yeah, and everybody has Instagram. So my, I quickly noticed that my audience started becoming a lot of PAs. So pre pre PAs, Mm -hmm. adolescent girls, you know, young women and their twenty somethings, and then also nurse practitioners, different healthcare providers. And I felt like naming it teenage female health wasn't very inclusive. So I think a lot of people thought, well, maybe this page isn't for me because I'm not a teenager. So that's why I changed it to the GYNPA. Okay, cool. And then you've started your podcast, which I love the name, by the way. You want to tell us about that? (laughs) Yeah. So our, the podcast is Brit and Steph at your cervix. Uh, So good. Brit is one of, was one of my students. And so she, we went and got pedicures a few months ago before she moved to Texas to start her job in OBGYN. And she was like, we need to do a podcast. And I'm like, well, I have no idea how we would even do that. And she's like, I got you. So we kind of talked about it. And she is a huge podcaster. She was like, you know, there's just not anything out there for women's health to listen to. She was like, I I think there may be something, but it's kind of like dry and our personalities are you know, we're very kind of like laid back and we (laughs) both value education and think knowledge is power. And so we wanted to get material and present it to healthcare, future healthcare providers and current practitioners in a way that just kind of seemed like you were sitting down, like having a glass of wine with your friend yeah, um, and make it easy to understand. Well, I listened to the first episode and I can say that you guys nailed it. Um, I I listened to that while I was taking my baby for a walk and, um, it was a great, just refresher and like you said, really easy, like easy to listen to concepts laid out really simply to understand nothing crazy or like conceptual or I don't know. It was great. So I'm excited to see where, where you guys take it. Um, I'm sure there are plenty of, of topics to cover. And I'm we sure you'll get lots of questions and all kinds of things. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So we already have 42 topics planned. Oh my planned. gosh. Huh? That's almost a whole year. It, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Gotta get There's on it. There's lots of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. My, I guess, I don't know what episode I'm on for almost 50 something. So, um, it kind of gets addicting once you, once you get it going, but then you just have to do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then again, thank you for answering the questions I send you on Instagram. And 
Absolutely. <laughs> you were very helpful throughout my pregnancy. Um, not that not that people should send you their um, questions, but yeah. Um, well, yeah. Well, thanks. I think we've covered everything. Any other advice or tips or anything you want to throw out there? Um. Well, I think that, you know, definitely like one thing is if you're interested in women's health, don't, don't be scared. For some reason, people have this misconception that women's health, you know, isn't for PAs. Uh, mm-hmm. But my question is, is why? Because we're trained as generalists. I mean, we have just as much training in women's health as we do general surgery and pediatrics and, you know, I mean, I have Even more side. women's health training than Derm from PA right. school, you know? Yeah. And so most people are like, oh, women's health, women's, we're, PAs just aren't in women's health. And that's true. I mean, there's less than 1% of us, but it doesn't have to be that way and we shouldn't be discouraged. So I would just say if women's health is something that you want to do, it's definitely an attainable goal. It's a great career and, you know, kind of go at it and find your rotation and, let people know that that's what you want to do. Um, don't be scared to do women's health. And, you know, like we talked about earlier, if you want to do vaginal deliveries, then look at the states and know where you can do that or hospitals that will allow you to do that. Mm-hmm. Just before you jump in, get all the details. But I'm sure yeah. Stephanie will help answer any of your questions that she can. Um about her job and just it's kind of nice to have the social media to be able to get more awareness out there about our role in different areas so I think you're doing yeah. a great great job thank um, you yeah well thanks for coming on the podcast absolutely thanks for having me no problem all right guys I hope you enjoyed hearing from Stephanie make sure you check out her Instagram her website her podcast and there's some really great info out there And so I hope that you guys benefited from that. But if you have any questions, feel free to ask her. Um, She's so, so sweet. But thank you for being here with me. For If you've been here for all 52 episodes, I would love to hear that. I love when people tell me they've binge listened the podcast because that's what I do with podcasts. But feel free to reach out. Let me know if you have any feedback. And I will see you guys next week and in the coming weeks for some really awesome interviews. Thanks guys. Have a good week.